be able to talk to other people about what I'm, you know, what you do, what I usually do. <laughs> well, I'm going to, um, is it, do you think I've never done this before, but I thought maybe it'd be fun to, um, to put this live on Facebook. Do you think we should do that? Or do you think we should just record and then I mean, I'm going to do a regular podcast, which will be just our voices. Right. And it'll go on, uh, you know, iTunes and whatever. Um, but then, um, I've never, I've never done it before with this zoom, you know, pod, these podcasts. So what do you think? Yeah. About that? Um, it's up to you. You could try. Um, um I don't know. Yeah. yeah. We could try it and see. Okay. Might as well be a guinea pig. <laughs> You're going to be the first ever. I've never done this. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes. You sound good. Okay. Yeah. Only because I have a fan running. It's like on another. Oh, I can't platform. hear it at all. Okay. Good. All. Okay. Uh, let me, um, it's going to take me a second here to get this over onto the, uh, sure. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. We're still and kind of on lockdown. So there's nothing to really. Do. Are you? Well, we're, New York city is staying in phase one for another, probably till the second week of July, like okay. around the, well, around the 4th of July. And, um, of course, every place else, Long, even the suburbs like Long Island and, you know, there are a few other places uh, are opening already. They're already going into phase two and we have to wait because I guess the population and with all the um, protests and stuff, we've, we've been having three weeks of protests and people not wearing masks during the protests and, you know. Oh, okay. So, um, so that's, I mean, that we're going more people to get it. We're going a little crazy, and uh, Cuomo doesn't want it spiking again. And I get it because I, I mean, I had it at the big end at the end of March. You got I sick. Was, yeah, I was luckily I was able to ride out at home, but like it took about three weeks for me to really start feeling better. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had my antibody test a couple weeks ago and it came back positive. And I'm just waiting to get swabbed because I want to see my parents again. And um, they just want to make sure that there's no, you know, virus left. Obviously, right. So. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Everyone's going nuts. They just want to be out and about and... Ugh. Yeah, it's no. crazy. <laughs> I, I can I can I can understand that. Um, I've almost got this going. Uh -huh. uh, it says I'm up here. It's streaming live. Okay, so. I'm gonna just sort of share this. How do I do a copy link? I told Jim about this. He got excited. He's like, yeah, do it, do it. That's how I met you is through that uh, Zoom talk. Me? Right, because I believe yeah, you're yeah. on the Zoom talks with Jim. You talk about Jim Gray? Yeah, Jim Gray, yeah. Yeah, and that's how I, that's, I saw you and, and I thought, you know, I don't, I don't know that photographer. I'd like to learn more about her, you know. And, yeah. And so that's what this is about so funny i knew all the names and then i actually but chris hooten i've known we've communicated for a long time before mm -hmm. we actually 
got on the Zoom chat, and that's the first time we were ever in the same place at the same time, technically. How, how did you know Chris? Like, from he, he'd go out there and shoot, or how, how did you know him? Um, I have a friend who's a Venice local, and he knows Chris. Cool. And um, we just started comparing photos because um, cause Sean's dad lives in New York, which is where I met him at, at Pier 62 Park, which is my local park where I shoot. Okay. Uh, most of the time. I've been to um, other places, but I don't have a car, so it's kind of hard for me to really just go and drop into a place. Um, right. But yeah, 62 is local. Um, and I actually used to skateboard back in the 80s, which is, I got into it. My first skateboard was 1978. Mm -hmm. um, just a plastic board with urethane wheels, red plastic. And I still have it, even though it's beat up. But um, right. yeah, my dad's a photographer. So oh, what kind, what kind of, I'm just, a, I'm going to warn you, I'm eating some talk some tofu tacos here so oh oh my god that's really rude but uh, <laughs> that's the way i roll that's fine <laughs> tell me about your dad's photography what kind of photographer um so is, he my still dad, good? is he around still or uh yeah he's still he does um when before he actually got into it as a profession he was in advertising mm -hmm. and um he decided after a while that he just wanted to work for himself instead of working for other people. Right. So um, he does a lot of portraits. He does, um, he does personalized books for people. Um, you know, he, he gets, um, he gets uh, asked to do, you know, they'll do a photography session with people and their children or their pets and, um, you know, make special books up with the stuff from the photography that he did, the, you know, from the sessions that he did. Have you ever done that kind of thing? Uh, I never have because um, I, I, I'm kind of all over the place and I never really had the patience to sort of sit and learn settings And this. Most of the stuff I do is either my, my, I have, um, I have a, uh, Nikon or cool picks. Yeah. But it's it's um A900 which is sort of in between like a DSLR and a point and shoot. Okay. It has a fixed lens I use that, but most of the stuff in the skate park I use my phone. Mm -hmm. And um you know, I had um a wide angle and a fisheye mm -hmm. that I would attach to it um just to get the extra, you know, the extra zoom uh view in. But um, now that they came out with the the eleven, the eleven Pro Max, it has the wide angle lens on it. Three lenses on there. Yeah. So um, I do a lot of video clips too. I like working with slow motion, um, and I do a lot of um, I like doing bail clips and you know stuff. Why like do you that. like the bail clips? I kind of like those too. I like them because it just shows someone's um, not only the progression, but the determination of what these, you know, what these guys want to accomplish, guys and girls, what these individuals want to accomplish. Right. Um, 
And it actually, it, it's, it's great to do a film and get maybe four or five bales and then they hit it. And then you just like kind of add them all together. And I mean, I feel that I don't skate anymore. I had back surgery and okay. I had ankle injury. And, you know, when you start skating at 10 years old, no fear doesn't. But when you get in your 20s and you have a job and, you know. Yeah. You know, the pain of, of having. It costs money. It costs money to fall. costs money. And, you know, I had herniated discs. I went for three years without skating. Um, oh, so it was hard to get back into it again. Um, I, I still try and put around, you know, just around the neighborhood. But um, that's skateboarding. Yeah, that's skateboarding. But the, the, the passion for it is still there. And it, it, mentally, I need to let go and let myself fall and get, a, you know, a scab on my leg or a bruise on my elbow and know that you know, it's it's probably not going to be as bad as it as it was in the first place. You know, like, but um, once you feel that pain, it's hard to you know to get. And knowing that I was out of it for three years, so you so lose a lot. On. You forget a lot in three months, let alone three years. Yeah, and um, but I still like I just couldn't walk away, which is why I got into the photography end of it because um, I just couldn't walk away from something that I love so much. Yeah. And at the time I still, um, I guess we were into digital cameras by that time. Yeah. Um, it might've been right before we had phone cameras that I was, that I was um, still skating, just street stuff. And then 62 just turned 10 years old. So it was 2010. That's when I really started getting more into like the bowls. Cause we never had, we, we had um, Andy Kessler's park mm -hmm. over on Riverside Avenue. Okay. Um, it's, it was like 108 and Riverside. And um, it was nice right on the highway. And there was a, a vert ramp and uh, you know, some street setups and mini ramp. And then a, a tinier mini ramp, mm -hmm. and um, you know, but we never had a bowl. Right. So when we had in 2010 when it opened, we had a bowl, and that's kind of when I really started being a regular um, back in the whole scene again. It changed 2010. a lot. I'm sorry. You 2010. Around 2010. That's when I started getting more uh, back into, right. um, you know, because we had Brooklyn Banks, and, and which was great. And back then, it's uh, it was very I had a very unfortunate mishap. Um, I, I my old apartment. There was a guy who lived. I was like in one. Literally, our doors like kind of almost they would have connected if we, we would have been the same apartment. Mm -hmm. And uh, he fell asleep in love one day. And when you walked in my apartment and would go in, it would go down a little bit. And I had a loft bed, my negatives, everything was stored, you know, in, in crates underneath with my computer. He fell asleep in the tub, all the water went into my apartment. <laughs> 
Oh. My negatives, my photos, mostly my negatives, which I couldn't do, were ruined. And wow. it was devastating. It was, it was devastating. Did you keep those negatives or did you just throw them away? Um, I tried to salvage them. Because water alone shouldn't ruin negatives. They were they were pretty bad though because I had them like in plastic and everything just kind of stuck together. Okay, so all I, your emulsion got stuck to yeah, the carrier. And, and I tried to, and I really tried to get them all. Um, some of them were in those paper, you know, the paper um, the little the wax paper, paper thing they give them to you when you. Yeah, yeah, and they all stuck together. It was just so frustrating, and and I tried to really for a while use some of them. My dad has a light box, and we looked at you know a lot of them on the light box, and they just weren't sal salvageable. Oh man, it was really sad. I I was very you know you have the memories in your head, but when you do the actual photography, I mean sometimes people want prints, sometimes they want you know or. Just to go and look back on stuff. For you, just for you personally, yeah. 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 Um, does your dad shoot a, a view camera, or what kind of camera does your dad shoot? He, um, just a DSLR. Oh. He, he changes the lenses when, when you know, he needs. And that was another thing with me, with, with, the, with the bigger cameras. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the patience. Like, I hate missing shots, which yeah. is, I mean, I'm not... Really, I'm not working for anybody, so I'm not hired to go out there and get shots. It's just yeah. for my own personal and for the guys at the park. Um, so, but you might have a, a higher standard than even a publisher. Like, are you the type of person where you have a pretty tough standard on yourself as far as? Um, I do. I because I. See others at the park. You know they have their cameras and the flash and the whole thing. And sometimes I think I, you know, God, I wish I could do that. And I know I could do it. You could do it, yeah. I could do it, but I just then I then I think back to myself and I look, you know, I look myself over and I just I never had the patience to like sit and change the lenses and do this and that. Yeah. So I, I basically just, you know, I used my phone. If I think if I had actually gotten hired and I was getting paid and working for a publication, I would have to up, you know, up my game for sure. Well, only if you needed to, only for a fidelity. I mean, it, it wouldn't, like these days phones do pretty well. Um, yeah, they do. Used for a lot of stuff people would never guess they were being used for. Yeah, and I have a lot of, um, my dad has made, I haven't done a skate book yet. I want to do um, a book of the locals just for 62. Yeah. Um, and see how that works out. And maybe, you know, there, there's not really, a, you know, people sell things in gift shops or whatever. But, you know, I was thinking maybe uh, make up a web. I have a website, but, you know, something for people to... Uh, you know, not just the guys in the park, but others who come to visit. Because um, we get people from everywhere, from all over the world, that they come to the park. And, uh, you know, I get a lot of Instagram connections that way. And yeah. people will message me asking me, oh, how was the park? And it's still closed now. We haven't been able to go. We had a couple of gate 
hoppers, um, you know, that, that go. Just a couple out here. That's pretty much been a daily occurrence since. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been difficult because I'm itching to get out there and shoot and there's just no, not really an outlet in the city at the moment, unless you go local and just do street stuff. Yeah. But a lot of the kids who are doing it, it's so last minute that even if I was to find out or someone was to message me, like it would be done. The cops would come and kick them out by the time I get there. They're that, they're that strict about it in New York. They're, they're pretty strict and they like messing with the skateboarders. They do. Yeah. Easy target. Uh, sometimes. Yeah. You know, it depends. The security guards at the buildings, you know, you grind a step and they'll be running out there telling you to go someplace else. Can they touch you, the security guards? Or can you know, they're just going to yell? Um, I mean, they're not supposed to. They're supposed to warn you. Just warn you and, you know, yeah. tell you to leave. So. Yeah, it's a shame. It is so, what it is. Do you... Um, you told me before, I think we were recording, but I don't think we we're on live. But you said that you actually got sick with this uh, COVID-19 and you got better. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and you were saying that you wanted to get tested because you wanted to see your parents. How does that work? I'm just curious, personally. I'm still trying to figure it out myself because... So I, I, I didn't get tested up to a couple weeks ago because... Uh, I mean, I had, you know, one of those telecalls with my doctor um, yeah. and he took into consideration everything I went through, all the symptoms. And uh, he said, you know, most likely you had it. Um, the, the rapid testing wasn't out yet when I had the call with him. And then they were saying how the rapid testing wasn't accurate. So going oh, right, I heard about that, yeah. Yeah, so going forward, um, the test, they send this particular test to a lab, and it's highly sensitive. So when it comes back, um, if it's positive, it's pretty, pretty likely. You know, it's pretty likely that it's, that, you know, it's, it's correct. Yeah. Um, so that's for the antibodies. The swab test is to see if you have the virus, because even with the antibodies, you know, you could still, they say you could still go out the next day, touch something, touch your face, and then, you know, get the virus. Again. Um, so my doctor said I'm still supposed to social distance, even though I have the antibodies, because they don't have enough information yet about how it actually transmits. Oh, really? Yeah. So you're over this thing. It's been more than 14 days. Yeah. You have these things in here that people want to turn plasma into and inject into sick people, but why would you be why would you be a threat to anybody? Yeah. Uh that's what I'm saying. But um I think the swab gives more more insight to if you still have the actual virus. Right. Um which I don't understand if uh, maybe they're thinking that you can get it again. But I just heard not that that's a possibility, but as you know, there's so much information on this, you can't tell what's true and what's still true. And yeah, I know it's 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 very confusing. And I and I'm a daycare teacher. That's my profession. Mm -hmm. So it's really and no pun intended, but baby steps going back to 
work again and we don't know what our shifts are going to be like or if people or if people are even going to want to bring their children back into that setting i'd be afraid i mean just because again there's no who do you trust and yeah i'd be afraid i mean i don't know if i would do it or not i don't have kids but i just and i don't i would not mind wearing a mask all day if i if i had to but it's just really the safety of everybody else right they don't want to spike it you can't social distance two-year-olds, you know. It's, it's, no, so. <laughs> I had an experience I can't really talk about, it, but yeah, there's there's a two-year-old, and man, they they do not, uh, yeah, they come right if they like you, they come right up to you, and no, so then they like to be right in your face too. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, there. I miss my kids. We actually do Zoom chats uh, like every other day online. Oh, that's awesome. The parents put them in front, and while. You know, the teacher is on with them. You know, they can sort of keep an eye on them, but do what they have to do as well. So, You're talking before about something that kind of got me thinking, because um, I've been talking about this to the people that are close to me, and, and that's that um, there's something difficult about isolating, too. You know, I, I don't, I'm not, I don't, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know, but, but I know that they do use isolation techniques to punish people to torture people and so um i think it's it's pretty amazing that we're all going through this you know the, the ones that are yeah painful, it, you know i mean i go through periods where i feel shitty and um, i think it's partially due to this isolation it's um i think it's just the fact that we don't have control over it um you know if we could choose to stay in our house for three months, you know, that's our choice. That's a different and, thing. Yeah. And in the middle, we, if we get bored, we can call someone and say, Hey, let's go for dinner. We can't do that with this. And it's, it's definitely, I feel like it's a loss of control, which adds to everybody's frustration. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy. And you know, in the hospitals, it's where you're seeing everything. But when you're walking around with three months and it's quiet on the outside and it's desolate and it's kind of empty, you know, at least not as busy. I mean, I I, I just posted a, a video clip on Instagram. Of, mm-hmm. I, I went to the beach this weekend and then when I got back, I switch trains at Times Square and usually at the time I'm there mm-hmm. on a Sunday it's packed with people and there was literally almost nobody there mm. and you know to for that to be like that it's it's so quiet and it makes you feel like why do I have to do this because it's not something that we actually see happening yeah. you just Sort of something we just wonder when it's going to be over, but you know we have to rely on other people, and um, they don't know. No, nobody seems to really know the full story. So, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I feel like we're all being tortured, but it's not intentional. No, no. And, uh, well, meaning that it just it, it just feels awful, but there's you know. What can you do? I know. You know, you can't yeah. really. Crazy. Well, so 
That's so depressing. We'll talk about skateboarding. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you have any pictures um, in your? Are you talking about a phone or a pad or a laptop right now? What are you on right now? Uh, I'm on a laptop at the moment. Yeah. Is there any pictures in there that you would want to look at and maybe talk about? Um, it's not to be skateboarding. <laughs> I don't. You know what? I don't have a lot. I just deleted a lot off of my laptop only because of space, and it copied everything off of my phone. That's cool. I got you. Uh, we can have to do that. We can do. You know, uh, tell me about this scene in New York. I was in New York, and um, maybe I was in the. I, I was there years ago, and I and I was looking around. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I have one picture. I'm gonna okay. send. Let me find it. I'll you don't, you don't have a screen share? You ever do the screen share? I can turn it on. Um, Let me turn it on. I've right done now. it before. <laughs> I just I turned know. it on. So it'll be on the bottom the bottom of your screen. In a okay, minute. I see it. Yeah. Uh, just take your time. Let's see. Files. Uh, yeah, you can find the thing you want to share. Just once you okay. find it, then you push share or something like that. Or. Um, I don't think it's working. Sorry, I'm a little confused. It's okay. Uh, I don't see anything I can share from basic. Are you on a PC or a Mac? I'm on a PC. Could be a privacy thing. Your thing might not allow... All right, well, let's talk and let me figure it out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, what did I just do? Okay. <laughs> what's the, did you figure it out? What's the last, you know, set pictures that you took before this all happened? The last skate pictures I took? Yeah. Um, trying to think. It was March... So it was probably, we had a really warm day in February. Um, and I just went to the park. It was pretty packed and I just took some pictures. Um, I took some pictures that weekend. I had a friend that came in from Seattle and um, that got me even more hype because he was in town. And uh, yeah. So it was a great weekend. And, you know, people always show, we have our regulars that, that always show up. And then, you know, sometimes when the pros are in town, they, they, they show up. Um, Eddie Elguera. Yeah. Uh, his, his son works for JetBlue. Okay. Um, a couple of times we had um, like organized sessions, but we didn't know like who the special guest was going to be. And we'd all be just sitting there hottest day in the summer a couple of a couple of years ago and that the night before he hopped on a plane came to new york skated for the day and then went home wow how fun it was it was a, it was a lot of fun yeah that's so, awesome I'm, yeah. I, you know you're talking about your book and um i personally would love to see a book on where you live, you know, and, and really mostly locals and, mm -hmm. and then, you know, things around there and things you do, places you guys go to eat and, you know, groups of people, the way you guys dress. To me, that'd be an interesting book. You mean in general or, or in skate culture? The skate culture, sort of, 
you know, if, if you're doing, if you're thinking about doing a skate book, I thought, I think that'd be an interesting thing to do around the pier there, you know, to sort of, because nobody could really get that like you could get it. Yeah. I ha- I have a lot of foot, uh, a lot of, um, I have a lot of footage, but I have a lot of photos going back. Um, but once I really, we had a, a Bolarama mm. at, at our park in 2012, <coughs> it was October 2012. And um, that's when I really started mostly keeping folders and organizing my folders of the park. Um, so I have footage from 2012 going on until now. Yeah. Footage and, and obviously photographs. But um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot to go through. I just, there's so much I would love to do. And I just, you know, don't know if I should keep, uh, you know, the ones that my dad had made of, of my photography is mostly cityscape stuff. Um you know, buildings, um, sunsets, plants, flowers, people yeah. uh, around the city. And, but they're, you know, like these little square. And I would love to do a coffee table book because I have enough photos. Um, and a certain section, there's um, this, this guy, Angus, who skated, uh, who sadly uh, passed away. He took, he took his life unfortunately but you know we do every year we do a get together on his birthday and his uh you know kind of celebrate him um this year i'm not so sure you know if we're going to get to do it because of this but uh because of the whole covid but he's always in our hearts all the time and i want to do a special section just about angus that'd be cool Uh, because he was great with the little kids, and um, you know, we—it's it, it, funny because I've been to other parks, but sixty-two to me has such a family vibe. Yeah. And you—you you should, if you come back to New York, you should definitely come to the park. I will. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, you definitely—you know—you don't have to pay to get in. People come in and out because it's run by the parks department. So. It's great. It's a great place. And it's one of those places, if you're a regular, you get up there and you get to the gate and you just get so hyped to get in there. Mm. And you stand there for a second, look around both sides to see who's who's around and then just go to your usual spot, drop your stuff. And, you know. Yeah, there's two. I'm a skate park skateboarder. I used to work and skate at a place called Skatopia in Buena Park, the original uh-huh. Ethiopia and um, there's no, there's maybe two places I'm pretty comfortable. You know, one I'm a drummer. I I studied drums for years and years and years. Oh my god, I would love to learn the drums. That was like, I wanted to do it so bad, and my mother's like, no, here's a violin, here's a flute, here's the. <laughs> Those are good instruments too. And I'm like, no. <laughs> so, you know, one of these days I'll do it. You should Uh-oh. do it. Don't say that. Just start it. You know. No, just no, no. I mean, like more focused into into it. I, I have some sticks, and you know, sometimes Good. I pick them up and do beats. But That's I drum. really would love to like get my anger out on a set of <laughs> on a drum kit. <laughs> <laughs> 
It's just so rad. It's the best instrument. <laughs> it's pretty mo- it, it really clears your mind up if you to play the drums. Um, like skateboarding, you know, I guess maybe when you're, I don't know, this is an extreme thing. But those are the two places I'm pretty comfortable is in behind the drum set. You know, I could be, I could go to a party and just crumble because I'm so nervous and self-aware. But, you know, if there's a, I played drums on television before my, on my friend's TV show and mm-hmm. as cool as a cucumber. And as long as I'm sitting behind the drum set. And the second place I'm really comfortable is at a skate park. Mm-hmm. Like I, if you took me right now to a skate park full of kids, I don't know, full of kids, 40 years younger than me, I'd be just so comfortable, like zero anxiety. I don't know why um, skate parks, there's something for me, you know, magical about a skate park. And, and so of course, yeah, I'd love, that's why I was so interested in you talking about a book because you, you know, a lot about that park, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And so you, 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 you would make a wonderful, you know, book on that. Thank I think. you. Thank you. Yeah. See, that's going to motivate me now to get my, my <laughs> together <laughs> and do a draft, you know, and, and start. Why not? Yeah. Let's around with it. Throw it around there, you know? And, and the funny thing is, I was mentioning to somebody the other day that, so we did, um, we were supposed to have a party at the end of May? At the end of May. Uh, sorry, mid-May, May 16th, it was supposed to be for 62's 10th birthday. But obviously, because of the COVID, we couldn't do it. So we did a whole week of um, featuring Instagram photos um, from each year. You know, I get it was 10 days and... Um, we featured photos from each year and we have a couple people, you know, who contribute. Um, we had more from 2015 on when people started being regulars, at, uh, yeah. taking pictures and stuff. But, um, yeah. And I said, it's so funny how it took a whole pandemic for me to start finally going through everything <laughs> because when you have so much stuff and a lot of it, uh, you know, it's just daunting to go through it when you don't have a lot of time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You seem to me like you're like me in that you like to capture things. You're not, you're not so into the stuff after capture. What do you mean? Well, you like to take pictures, right? But you don't necessarily love to organize them and make books. I'm good at remembering time frames. Like when, when, um, you know, things actually happen. Um, so I'll get home, I'll put them in a folder and, you know, it'll be Chelsea, Mar- Chelsea Skate Park, March 2015. But then I'll have like a thousand pictures in there and it's like, oh my God, to go through. That's only for one month. <laughs> and I copy the stuff that I don't even, sometimes I get home and I'm so exhausted from being in the sun all day or, I mean, just even if you're not skating, running around the park and the hot weather, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love it. I would not want to be in any other place, Right. but you know, you get home, you eat something and you relax and you fall asleep. Then you go to work the next day. And um, I don't always go through it to take out the shots or delete the shots that, 
didn't come out, you know, so when you actually go through it later, it's it's a little more of a process, but. But it's know, a different, um, a different experience going through them later. It is. Because like I'm kind of hyper, so I'll shoot an event and um, I want to be the first one to get my stuff up, you know, and I'll, and so I'll go right at that night event. I'm friggin' exhausted, like going to pass out. Should I go to ER? No, I'll go through my photos, you know, and I'm yeah. looking through the photos and I get some good ones and I edit them and I get them up, try to get them up before anybody else, you know, but the truth is if I were to wait, you know, if I were to not look at those photos for three months and then look at them, I probably would do a better job. That's just me. Yeah, I, I, I get that way too. Um, I'll look at stuff on the way home, on the on the bus, on the train, on the way home, and I'll just be like, you know, looking through and, you know, I'll kind of want to post stuff that I, I remember this, you know, three hours later, I'll look for that one picture that, that'll stick in my head, like to get it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I do, you know, I'll do like a 10 for, uh, 10 for the day shot, uh, shots, um, but I don't know. I don't. I don't just capture the action. You know, I. I kind of always. I like to capture what's going on around us. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of candids. People have kind of gotten used to me being up in their face, yeah. <laughs> being like, "Oh, get together so we can get a picture." But you know what? If no one does it, then you know. I. I, I just feel like it's it's fun to look back on. Um, yeah. Yeah. So many. Yeah. Pictures. That's the good stuff. We have so many great people in the park, and it's not just the skating; it's the people that go. It's the it's the uh, the atmosphere and the older people. We we have these uh, old man jams yep. where where the forty and over crowd goes early before everybody else comes because they don't think they can keep up with everybody else. Right, because they can't. Um, so, and everyone complains about their knees and their back and their, you know, their joints, but you still drop in and do what you do, you know, and great. It's, it's awesome. I love having that in, in New York because when I was a kid, 10, 11 years old, I had, um, I had a cousin Lester who lived in California and, um, he lived close to Venice and, used to send me, you know, those Pal Peralta, the um, intelligence reports. Uh-huh, yeah. He'd get those in the mail, and then when he was done with them, he would send them to me. Oh, cool. And I was like 11, 12 years old when I started getting into Bones Brigade. And Tony Hawk, Gons, well, Gons wasn't Bones Brigade, but Mark Gonzalez, Tony mm-hmm. Hawk, and I are all the same age within like three months of each other. Really? So I grew up as they grew up and I was watching them, you know, Gons, I think I didn't um, really notice him until about 84 or 85. Mm-hmm. And I got his setup. I bought it for myself as a graduation present from high school. Oh, cool. So I got, I still have my setup and um, he, him and Nadis were probably two of my favorite street skaters, Hosoi and uh, Hosoi was, one of my favorite uh, ramp skaters, yeah. you know, ramp skaters. And then the whole Bones Brigade were, you know, they were like the pool skaters. 
Right. Uh, I love was that a, was that at that time was that a big scene in in, in you're talking eighty four through like what eighty uh, not, not really in New York. I mean, you know, in the in the suburbs we had um so yeah, I mean, I just, I was a tomboy. I had my skateboard and skated with the, with all the, with the boys, but we didn't, we just had to find places to skate. Mm-hmm. Um, street skating on the sidewalk, you know, and then in the later eighties is when um, I got more aware of people were building launch ramps. Right. Um, DIY. Yeah, my um, 86, which is when I graduated high school, that summer, my cousin's friend in Long Island had a had um, a skate shop. And he built like a mini ramp and I tried to hit them. I was never great, but I loved it so much. But I tried hitting that mini ramp. Boy, <laughs> I was bad. I couldn't get it. But it was so much fun. Yeah. Um, you did you stick with it or did you just? Um, when I was able to get out there, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, I loved it. I loved it so much. You know, I had the butt bruise and the thigh yeah. bruise. You know, same as what everybody else gets. Right. Um, <laughs> but I just love capturing everybody else's. My my friend Chris um, used to skate. I don't know. Do you know sh- uh, shut skateboards out there? I'm not familiar with that. Tell me about that. So Shut Skateboards is a New York-based... Um, uh, I'll, I'll tag you on them. on, on okay. Instagram. But um, they used to have a tiny shop on Mulberry, on Mulberry Street. It was like a basement. You went down these steps. And my friend Chris in the late 80s used to skate for them. And we both worked at Tower Records together, which is oh. how I... Chris. Killer. Yeah, fourth and Broadway. You were one of those people, huh? I was one of them. (laughs) That's a certain kind of person, a person who works at Tower Records. Yeah. Right? (laughs) It was just, that was the best job of of my life because everyone would come in there. The pay wasn't great, but we got free concerts, free merchandise. We got to meet musicians, you know, that's a culture, Lori. Uh, Tower yeah. Records. That's a friggin' movie right there. Yeah, it was. It was great. And uh, every Sunday we had a, a flea market, which was in the parking lot right next door. And Chris would take me next door, and they had the the, the concrete um, parking blocks, you know, so yeah. the cars don't hit the wall. Yeah. And he used to try and teach me how to wall ride off of the concrete. <laughs> Things they were a little too far from the wall for me, but you know, okay. it was kind of like a little. I tried grinding them and I tried, you know, I never got the hang of it. I have such bad coordination when it comes, but it was fun, you know, it was fun to do it. Sounds <laughs> rad. Yeah, it was so much fun. What I wouldn't do to uh, walk into a Tower Records just for one visit, you know? Yeah. It's crazy, I, I, you know how how it was at its peak, and then Napster came in and killed it all. 
started the whole, you know, revolution, the whole digital revolution. And after that, it was, it was done. Changed an entire industry. It really did. And what I, you know, we, we had HMV and Virgin came to the city finally. Yeah. Um, and Tower, which I never thought Tower would do, started selling like candy behind the counter and oh. things that I never thought, you know, things I think that they were really at a desperate place. Oh. You know, trying to get, you know, like at a grocery store where you have all the enticing things by the register. Yeah, the impulse items. Yeah, the impulse items. And it was a little bit sad. And I got to a point, I was there from 87 till 98. And then I realized I wasn't really going anywhere. They weren't letting people know about higher up positions, um, you know, that any of us could have easily trained for. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, um, it was just my uh, a personal decision that even though I loved it, I wasn't going anywhere. So um, I got certified to be a daycare teacher and went to that job. And I've been there for 21 years now. <laughs> so, wow. Yeah. It's crazy. That's a trip. Years. What, and those are radically two different jobs because the things that go on in the tower records restroom are completely different than the things that go on in a daycare restroom. Yeah. It, it's, it's different. Um, it's, you know, sometimes you deal with customers and it's like dealing, dealing with children. So in, in a way, it's kind of the same, but different. You, know? you have your certain customers who just, you know, who you like grow up already, you know. Um, did you see your, uh, celebrities or famous musicians when you worked at Tower? Did I? Did I, uh, I well, I listened to a lot of the British indie bands. Yeah. Um, I am, you know, I have a lot of memories um, where I got to see a lot of bands at, at CBGB's. Yeah. I've been going there since the age of 13. They used to do these weekend matinees for the kids who couldn't go at night. I was going to ask how you got in there. Okay, that makes sense. So we had, well, I mean, CBGB's wasn't that hard to get into, but it was for kids who had a curfew. So they would do like these hardcore shows on the weekends in the afternoon. It would last Still a matinee, huh? Yeah, we had the hardcore matinees, and right. then. Um, but there were a lot of bands who, like I saw Radiohead at CBGBs. Wow. Um, one night, I went to see Stevie Wonder play at Radio City, and then wow. ran down to CBs to see Bushes first. Wow. It was, you know, it's just, I feel like only in New York, probably California too, you know, you could do stuff like that. But um, we have some pretty iconic, I guess CB's is kind of like, what would you say it's like in California? The, uh, well, I mean, we had more of an underground punk thing. I mean, there was a, there's a few clubs out here. I, I, I mean, you know, things happen at the whiskey and things happened at the Troubadour, and there was the Pal I saw a lot of punk at the Palomino, believe it or not, which was a club out here. Uh, I couldn't even take you there today. I, it's probably gone. Yeah. And I was really young. I was, when, when I was going to punk shows, I was um, 
in the ninth grade. So I had to convince some high schooler to take me, Yeah. you know, so it was rare. I didn't, you know, why would they want to take me? So, you know, but on the few occasions where I tricked somebody into it, yeah, I saw, you know, like the blasters and there's a band called 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, we used to watch a lot of those bands. But you guys had New York's way more, there's way more going on on a, on, sing, on a single night than in California. I think in New York, you could just hop on a train and get anywhere. Yep. Doesn't, you know, I mean, Cali, I guess, I mean, I guess you have to drive, but yeah, if you're, you if you're 12, 13 and sneaking out of your apartment, you could just get on the train and go and you're out. <laughs> no one will find you for hours. That's right. I would have totally done that. Yeah. I used to do that a lot. <laughs> we, we, we did i used to and it's funny when i when i started working at tower it was 87 so i was 19 yeah i was 19 and that gons set up the gons pro division got me back and forth to work my first uh, apartment away from my parents was on 6th Street and Avenue C. And back then it was like a bomb air, you know, bomb that before you had to pick up your dog's poop. And, you know, it was, you know, just It became not, gentrified. It's pretty gentrified now. Yeah. And um, for the people who were there, I mean, this is a personal opinion. I feel like they consider that now the, it, it's always been the East Village, but for the people who used to live there back then, we called it Alphabet City. Why? So it went from First Avenue to Avenue A, B, C, and D. Uh, so that's why we called it Alphabet uh, City was from Avenue A down. Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> by C and D, the worse you were, da- the further down you were. Really? Kind of how the neighborhood was worse, but... There were so many good, like, little hole-in-the-wall bars that you can go to. Local music, like, half the bands we didn't even know the names of. We just sort of went, showed up, and they and they were there. And you could walk home two blocks away, and, you know, it was, it was, it was great. And we had a lot of skateboarding at, um, at Tompkins Square Park. There was a small skateboard store called Skate NYC. Mm-hmm. And I used to hang out there. After I would finish a day at Tower or on my day off, I would be at Skate NYC. Wow. Um, pretending that I worked there, even though I didn't. But I would help. Why? People. Why did you do that? I would help people just because the guys um, that were working there, um, Joe, this guy, Joe, who actually we got back in touch with each other. And, um, I can't remember the other guy who, who was there. He wasn't there for very long before he ducked out. But uh, Joe was the owner. And um, I remember, like, Harold Hunter used to come in. He was, like, 12, 13 years old, mm-hmm. you know, before he really sort of got out there. Mm-hmm. And, um, that did you, have, did you ever see the movie Kids? Oh, God, yeah, yeah. So basically the Washington Square Park mm-hmm. where they show the skateboarding. Yeah. I I knew all of those kids <laughs> from between the skate scene and going into ta- and then going into Tower Records and you know, 
Wow, uh, really? There's a couple who, you know, were kind of hired for Leo Fitzpatrick and and um, Chloe Seven. Uh, I, I never can pronounce her name. Seventy, I think her name is. Uh-huh. But um, the rest of the kids, I could still watch that movie and look in the background, and I knew all of those kids from skateboarding. Wow! And so they're just extras, obviously. Yeah, they were all extras, but everybody knew each other, so it was you know it was sort of um, even the guys that were hired. Um, I think Leo was part of the skate scene anyway. He just happened to go into acting. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was fun. It was so much fun. New York is still fun, but it's so different than it was back in the 80s and even in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How has it changed? The grittiness, the people. I, I think I lived in a really good... Um, you know, I think the 80s and 90s was sort of when I really started branching out on my own. Yeah. Um, I was always into music from the, the first album I got at six years old. I was, um, was Hall & Oates titled The Silver Album. Was it? Yeah, they kind of look a little androgynous, and but that was... What did you, what kind of record player did you listen to that on? Um... I don't even know. My my dad worked advertising for Lafayette Electronics. I, I but I don't know if that was New York based or if you had that out there. So that's so, what he bought. He, I remember that company. I remember that. was yeah. Lafayette brand. I've um, seen that. I've seen that company. Uh, yeah, old councils. Old and the receiver. My dad, I think, still has his receiver. This thing behind me in my living room. It's a it's just a dresser thing, but I wanted to turn it into like a council, put a turntable in there and a, a radio and an amp. Yeah. yeah, that's great. But um, yeah, I had the record player and we had an eight track player and all of that stuff back then. Yeah. But, uh, what, a, what an enchanting picture you paint about going from Tower Records to to skateboarding and I mean you you're at you were um sort of you know there at a magical time right I feel that it was um I some you know I would like to sometimes I look at kids these days and I would like to get in their heads when in a, a kid that's 15 years old now to see of what they think of New York City and what they think is magical and that's interesting because back then we had so we had eight eighth street in the village was all stores you could buy skate shoes dr martin's and vintage clothing and they had an army navy store and uh flip and a boutique and all these different canal jean company and None of those stores are there now. It's just half of that block now is all up for rent because, you know, it just nobody can afford the rents anymore. Yeah. A lot of the mom and pops that were there aren't there anymore. And I used to make it a dream of mine to live in the village. And it happened. And 
I don't know right now if I would make make it my choice to live in that area. Because? Um, it's just not the same as it used to be. It, uh, I, I don't know if I can verbally explain it. Um, Is it too commercial or? Different feeling, different people. I, I feel that people had a certain style. It was very, um, I want to say bohemian, but yeah. that's. That's sort of a little particular. We, because we basically had everybody in the village. Um, the the neighborhood is just different. The, the a lot of the mom and pop stores that made it what it was are not open anymore. Uh, they got pushed out. They couldn't afford the rents. Um, restaurants that were there for 40, 50 years gone because they couldn't afford the rents. They kind of killed the, the economy or the progression of money. It killed the culture. Is that what you're thinking? Um, I don't know. I, I, I just feel, well, I, I'm sure money has a, money and greed definitely had a part in it as far as landlords and, and, you know, because like I said, the mom and pop places, which basically made up, you know, the village and the neighborhood just started disappearing one by one. And we had this one record shop, which is still down there hanging on a thread. Mm -hmm. um, and he doesn't even know how much longer he's going to be um, open, despite the fact that, you know, that there was a resurge in vinyl. Yeah. Um, but you know, the rents and the, are just so high. He doesn't, he's not making enough business to actually be able to keep it up. Have you ever thought about taking a picture of that shop? Uh, I have pictures. I can actually, next time I'm down there, I could take a photo and I'll uh, send it to you for sure. Yeah. Oh, record runner. Those things are um, around here where I live, um, the restaurants I used to go to and things I used to do. And um, I like to take pictures of them because I know that they, they are transient. I know that everything will change, you know, mm -hmm. and especially now with this, some of my favorite restaurants, which are all hole in wall places, mm -hmm. um, they're the most in danger, you know, so I'm going to try to go and photograph the empty places, you know, and hope that they reopen. It's hard. I, I, there were a few restaurants around my neighborhood, which I know were just starting up and they were so happy to open. And like a couple of weeks later, the COVID hit. And now I'm seeing like for rent signs. Yeah. And I can't even imagine how someone <clears throat> feels putting all their life into, into a place. And within a couple of weeks, it's all taken out from under you. It's got to be devastating. You know, and how do you rebuild from that when something like that happens? You know, at least if you got to give it a try and it didn't work out, like that's different, but yeah. something that you couldn't control and less than a month after you open. Yeah. I can't even, I can't even imagine no. how it's scary. Right. You know, it's definitely scary. Have you ever thought about, you know, like when you go back to taking skateboard pictures, are you going to go back to skateboarding? Like, is it going to be as if we put a pause button on pier? 
Or is peer gone? Did peer end and now it's going to be a new peer? Um, you mean the peer 62? Yeah. I think it's going to be a challenge reopening. Um, my, my doctor's office is close to where the skate park is. And I had an appointment last month, um, cause they started taking patients again yeah. and I walked and I walked over, um, and the pier is open. Yeah. You know, you can go down to the pier, but the park is, is locked up. Um, I have a feeling it's going to be a challenge and it's going to be, it's definitely going to be different because I know that people aren't going to skate and wear masks. Um, it's it's just not going to be too difficult. Too hot to do that. And too hot, exactly, yeah. Um, and limiting people to go in um, is going to be a challenge too because we used to go early and once you're in there, you're in there. Yeah, that's the, that's the problem is that a skate park and skateboarding in general is a thing about kind of about freedom somehow and individuality and all of this goes against all that. Yeah. Um, I, I have a feeling next, but next spring, got a whole year from now, um, you know, maybe February, March, if we have some warm days and all of this is sort of blown over. I think it'll return more back to normal because, you know, the school, we have a scooter kids who technically aren't supposed to be in the park. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we sort of live the existence next to them. Um, but um, when it's not as crowded, you know, the, the, the regulars are always there no matter what the weather, as, yeah. long, as, as long as the park is open. Yeah, and they'll be there shoveling the snow out and melting the ice, you know, just right. so they can get some runs in the bowl. Yep. But in the summertime, you know, it's it's crazy. It's usually packed. Um, it's it's going to be much harder this this year trying to get people to con to control the crowds. Um, you know, a lot of people have cars, so they've been getting out and going to. Um, private, you know, people's private ramps. Yeah, it's a big thing right now. Um, you know, but you can't invite everybody. No. You know, you can't invite everyone to go. So I look at other people's things and I'm like, oh my God, I want to go. I want to go. It's just getting, the itch is getting worse. But, you know, there's only, I, I just have to wait it out. Yeah. It's um, tough. It's tough. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if uh, skate parks will, for a while, have rules about you can't go in there unless you're skating. You can't take a camera in there because we want as few people in that place. You know, and that could be. I don't, I'm not. I don't know that. I'm just guessing. Yeah. I mean, um, I mean, you know, like like I said, I I used to skate and I still have my skateboards and stuff, so I could just bring a skateboard. There you go. Yeah. Wouldn't be a problem. No. Um, but, um, I, you know, the, the fact is if they, the parks department are a little, I don't know, it's a little weird depending on who the, who the duo is that's, um, 
you know, patrolling that day. The yeah. guys, that, you know, there are guys that come in, clean up the park, and they give us warnings. And sometimes they can warn everybody for an hour. Come on, the park is closed, but, you know, everyone will stay there. Right. I know those guys. I'm yeah. not even down yet, and you're kicking us out of the park. <laughs> Just wants to go home. Yeah, but, you know, but uh, we all you know, stay as long as we can stay. I think crowd control is just going to be a hard thing. Right. Um, so I, but I, what, I'm, what I'm wondering is, will Pier 62 still be there? Meaning that culture, meaning the thing that was there three months ago, will it be there next spring or anytime it reopens? Um, I think so. As far as skateboarding, definitely. We can't wait for it to open up again. Everyone is is just on the edge of their seat waiting to hear the word. And everyone keeps messaging each other. Is it open? Is it Because we have a Facebook page for Chel- for 62. Yep. Um, uh, so, you know, people are always checking in to see when it's open. Even when we didn't have the COVID, you know, we have... Um, you know, is it open? Is it open? Should I cut? Because people come from a long way. Sometimes people drive three, four hours just to come and skate at Chelsea for the day. Yeah. Right. So I, I think it'll be the same. I think it'll take a little time to get to get back to it. Um, only, like I said, only because of the way they would reopen it. But, yeah. Yeah. But going forward to next year, if all this is clear it'll fall all back into place again. Yeah, everyone's waiting for it to reopen again. Because we don't have a lot of, you know, a lot of parks like you guys have in the West Coast. Right. We have uh, LES Park, but that's more like a a street park. Uh, It's under the Manhattan Bridge. Um, We had the banks, but the banks, they just tore all that down. We're trying to petition to bring it back, but mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. And then um, there's Cooper Park in Brooklyn, Fat Kid Park in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. But those have been really, you know, they're really keeping an eye on these places just for crowd control, you know, crowd sake. So, you know, if you can climb the fence and get in and get a couple good runs and then you get a warning, you get kicked out, and you go yeah. something else to street skate. So, Cause I, yeah, because I know that I can't believe I, the people must still be skating. Out here, people like a lot of my friends that skate a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're much younger than me. They really never stopped. They either went to parks that had low fences, or I mean, they just found a way. You know, so many of them built stuff uh, in open spaces. Yeah. Uh, but they didn't really stop, like not one day, really. Um, yeah, I know a lot of my friends when they went away, they have family who were who were. Uh, one of my friends went to Colorado with his family, uh, and he's skating out there. Ton of stuff. Uh, yeah. Upstate, a lot of people I know went upstate New York. Um, you know, because we're not really traveling on planes at the moment unless yep. it's unless it's necessary. So wherever you can drive to. That's true. Um, and if you have a lot of space, you know, you do the do it yourself and build um, 
We have two kids who they live right near their homeschool, Bombed and Keo. Um, she's 13 and he's nine. I think he just turned nine. And I remember I've watched them grow up at Chelsea and they both skate the bowl and they're great. They're amazing. Mm-hmm. And they were uh, upstate, I think. Oh, no, I'm sorry. They were in Virginia with their, um, with their relatives and they built a ramp. They built a mini ramp while they were, you know, while they were up there. That's cool. um, I have one of those in my backyard, but it's the flats all rotted. So I have to replace the, um, the flat. Do you still skateboard or you just do mostly photography? I, I skate, you know, um, I, I, I'll skate flat quite a bit. You know, I have, a, I have like two or three skateboards in my trunk. So anytime I go anywhere, uh, I'll park kind of far away from where I'm going and I'll skate in if I can. Um, I'll take classes in college on photography. And so mm-hmm. I'll skate around campus. And then, um, you know, when the parks were open out here, I was going maybe, maybe I'd skate maybe two times a week at a park and maybe I'd be there way more often shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I still skate and I'm horrible now. I have arthritis and, and, uh, I, fa- I fell dropping in somewhere and the ambulance had to come get me like two oh, years cool. ago. Um, yeah, I have arthritis in my left knee. <laughs> uh, mine's my left foot. Yeah. So, um, but I think I'm going to skate until I fall and like I die or, <laughs> or I'm not going to stop if doctors tell me to stop. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, I just keep going until I'm just so crippled. I have to use like a, like a cane or a crutches or something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I hear. Because you. you only live once, you know. So you, uh, and I feel like time is your only true enemy. And so I'm going to try to skate as long as I can. Just, and I'm sorry about it to anybody that has to watch me skate because I'm sure it looks horrible. But uh, <laughs> but that's the whole thing. And like you know, we're so conscious about ourselves and. Um, I, I feel like the skateboarding culture, like people, people laugh, but not at you sort of just, you know, like the situation, then they'll help you. For sure. You know? And, um, that, that's the kind of stuff that I, that I like to capture at the park as well. You know, everyone helping everybody else. That's where they are. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, like, you know, little things, uh, I'll send you some of my favorite photos and, you know, let you know why I thought they were so important to us. I'd love to say that, you know, it'd be fun to do a slideshow with you. Um, I'm doing a couple different, well, I'm doing one type of slideshow right now, which is road trips. Uh And so, you know, basically people, my friends just gather, uh, maybe up to 10 road trip photos. It could be just five or even three. And they just talk about like, Oh, you know, it could be one road trip. Or it could be just pictures from different road trips. And um, so they're kind of fun. We just sit doing a Zoom just like this. And then if you don't want to share it from your computer, I can share it here. Or you can share it from your computer. And you just sort of like, here's a picture. And, and this happened there. And here's the next one. And they're kind of fun. So we should, you should think about that. That'd be fun to do with you. And then yeah. we're talking about now about these other pictures. That'd be fun to do a, a, a little, uh, you know, slideshow with you on your photography i mean i think that'd be pretty fascinating 
Um, no pressure, but if you want, if you ever want to do that, we can invite people. And that would be great. I would love to do that. Okay, so maybe gather um, a few. Ten's a pretty good number. If you can find ten, you know, around ten is about where everybody's attention spans at, and um, you know, gets people talking. And obviously, your pictures would be much different than mine or anyone else's because of where you're at. Exactly. You know. Um, and uh, so I guess this would be my final question, which, which yeah. um, it doesn't have to be because these things can kind of just go on and on. But yeah, <laughs> in in, in uh, we make up the rules here. So in in um, being, I lived in California, and you know, Skateboard Magazine would come out, and I would see stuff at the skate park that I went to and worked at that ended up in Skateboard Magazine or other things. And I always wondered about people in other places. As a matter of fact, one of my biggest inspirations for doing these Zooms, uh, this is a podcast, but I do all these, I do all these other Zooms with Don Fish and, um, and other friends, uh, is that there were scenes going on all across the world that were just as important as the Southern California scene. And so you, as somebody from, you know, you were in, I'm assuming you were in New York during the skate scene. Um, did you feel like, uh, that was not as fun a thing as if you were in California or was it, no, this is even funner because this is where I'm at. Um, I loved being a New York. I love being a New York. I still love being a New Yorker. Um, I love our skate scene. I love the, ev- the, you know, the evolution, watching everything from when I first you know, became aware that there was an actual scene <laughs> up up until now. Um, I always wanted to visit the West Coast mm-hmm. because your skate experiences were mostly parks. True. Um, and we were basically street. So I longed to be, I, I, when I was um, in the fifth grade, so I guess I was 10. My parents uh, took a trip to California. I was so excited. Um, and they wanted to look for jobs out there. Just as a perspective, you know, to see, um, you know, if, it, if they wanted the change. Um, so I went and I begged my father to find a skate park to take me to. Yeah. It was 75th grade. Yeah. Fifth grade, like fifth going into sixth. It was that. Mm-hmm. Summer. So it was 70. Yeah. It was 78. Oh, wow. So you only had concrete wave Carlsbad and Skatopia probably. But from going by what, you know, uh, Lester used to tell me. Lester Kasai? No, no, Lester, my cousin. <laughs> he lived in he lived um, he lived in Woodland Hills. Okay. But um, like he's the one who used to send me all the Pal Peralta. Right, he's the guy sending the Pal Peralta stuff. But he was into skating like that, and uh, maybe you know, maybe it was seven seventy nine because I remember. I, I just remember begging, like, 
take me to a skate park. And my dad's like, no, we're here. And they left me with a babysitter every day. And the babysitter was like 70 years old. I remember her. She took me to the movies, took me to the pool. I was bored the whole week. And I was like, no. (laughs) You were here during, if it was 79, you were here during like, you know, the Mecca. Like the, at that time, it was all open. You know, everything was open and, um, yeah. yeah. But I just remember the hype of, of there being, you know, ramps and bowls and we had just curbs and pebbles and, you know, road rash and. <laughs> yeah, that's <true. laughs> Yeah. No, but, it, you know, that's, meaning that's all, you know, that's all we had. That's all we had. But um, we didn't really have anything manufactured unless we made it ourselves. There was a place in New Jersey called The Barn. Um, That that was later on in the 80s that I went to. Um, Chris took me there a couple of times, and he had broken his leg. um, But we went anyway and sat on the top of the the ramp and just sat and took pictures the whole time. Did you – I'm getting all my parks mixed up, but – was there a Cherry Hill, or was that that was not New York? Cherry Hill is uh, Cherry Hill is New Jersey, okay. but Cherry Hill is like right on the border of New Jersey and Pennsylvania. It's close to Philadelphia. Okay. So from New York City, it's it's about a two hour journey from New York City. Oh, that's a trek. Okay. Yeah. So okay. if you're a kid, yeah, it's definitely a trek. Did you ever and make I it out there to Cherry Hill? No. Never did. I've been out to Cherry Hill later, but it was it was way way later. Um, okay. And I went and I went. It was for a wedding, so technically I didn't go for skate purposes. But um, it was it, it was already shut by that time. Oh, okay. So uh, I think I, I mean I want to see if I can find the Cherry Hill picture. I could have sworn I have some unpublished. This might. Oh no. I, there's a guy jamie godfrey who um he was part of actually the original bones brigade before they sort of really blew up but he knows all of them and uh he was a big cherry hill he was like a regular at cherry hill okay and he comes to 62 wasn't it uh indoor it was Cherry Hill? Yeah. Yeah. I thought I had a whole folder on Cherry Hill here. It was called Cherry Hill Apple? Uh, I think it's just Cherry Hill Skate Park. Okay. Let me see. I'm going to show you a picture in a second here. See if okay. you recognize this. Yeah. I'm going to try to share my screen.
One second, just... Okay. <laughs> Sorry about this. This is probably horrible if you're listening to a podcast. Or you're like, what is going on? Uh, where's that? Where's that? Okay. Oh, man. There's a picture on here that... Uh, all right, let me see. Just talking to myself. <laughs> talking to myself here. Close that. It's great that you play drums too, like skateboarding, oh, skateboarding and drums and photography, like my three favorite things. Yeah, and you you need to you know pick I up some drums, man. Serious uh, the drums, yeah. You know, a band is not a band without drums. It's the whole thing, man. I mean, the drums, drumming. Tr oh, truly, no. the most important uh, instrument in a band is bass. Yeah, I'm a drummer, you know. So you think I'd say elsewise, but if you have a band and if you have no, if the bass player sucks, the whole band sucks. Yeah, but you need a good beat too. Yeah. The drummer has to be like uh, like glue with that bass player, and then it's just magical, you know. Yeah. Is yeah. this Cherry Hill or no? Or is this? Uh, I haven't been there, so. Um, you recognize it? Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna have a um, a slideshow with Matt Cook. He. He gave me a bunch of pictures of everybody from, you know, the skateboard history and like old pictures of them. And the, all these are unpublished, you know, Hawk and Hasoy and uh -huh. um, Mickey Alba and uh, Stedman. And just the list just goes on and on and on. My God, Steve Stedman. Mm -hmm. He's amazing. Yeah. They're all amazing, but it's funny that you mentioned that because um, I um been following these guys for years and we had 2000, 2010, we had a Loving, uh, Loving Guts art exhibit in New York. It was the first, I think the first one in New York. Right. And I booked myself on the, on the list for it. Um, and I knew Steve Caballero was going to be there in Lance Mountain and Pat and Pat Noho. Yeah. And I finally, finally, after following all of them for years, got to meet them. It was like one of the best days of my life. That's cool. And I stayed in touch with Steve. So 2012, when we had the Bolarama, they had, you know, practice days that like, two or three practice days before the actual event. And I texted him and said, is it okay if I come for one of the practices, you know, just to snap photos and stuff. And he said, he said, I'll never forget the text. He said, yep. And bring your umbrella. Cause it looks like rain. And when, I, when I walked in, it was like eight 15 in the morning. So he was there, Mike McGill, Mike McGill and Eddie Elgara. Yep. And just to see the three of them together in one place was amazing. Um, and, you know, to meet them. Right. Then Lance came in, Andy McDonald came in, Hosoy walked in, Dwayne Peters, wow, and, and Chris Miller, and 
it was just the day I didn't know what hit me when I got home. I had to, luckily I had pictures to prove that it actually happened <laughs> because it was literally like a dream come true, meeting all of these, you know, I always describe it as a 12 year old meeting Justin Bieber like that. I was in my forties, but I finally got to meet all these guys after following them for so many years. Yeah. That's cool. You know, and to have them really be receptive. Jeff Grosso, it's the first time I met him. Right. 2012. And, um, yeah, it was, it was great. It was a great few days. Did it, did they live up to the thing that you thought they would be? They did. They were all such such great people. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I'm usually not starstruck. Um, I live by this place called the Beacon Theater, like a block away. And when it was still open, you know, it's a great place to try and meet bands because the side entrance is, is right there. Whether they stop or not, that's a different story. That's where they're loading in and they're walking in. And yeah. But when it came to these guys, I was so nervous just to go up and say anything to them. <laughs> like when Hosoy walked in, he walked in with so much, to me, just seemed like self-confidence and even after all that he's been through, you know, he made it a positive and, you know, kept his life going. Yeah. You know? um, but he came in with such self-confidence and yelling, oh, homie, hey, homie, this. And he was so excited. Yeah. And he walked right by me. And I think, like, my brain exploded and nothing was left. Like, <laughs> I, I was so excited just to even see him that's cool and just to ask him for you know to get a photo and steve was just like go up to him go up to him just go say hi to him and i did and he like did this little serious thing for a second but i think he was just playing with me yeah probably teasing you i was nervous but <laughs> it was so it was, it was it was fun it was nice and now now they kind of all know who i am just okay um, I got to meet Rodney Mullen a couple of times, which I was very happy about because he's one of my favorites as well. Mm -hmm. He yeah. doesn't, he hardly ever comes to the East Coast. Okay, right. But That's yeah. cool. Do you have any favorites, any favorite uh, skaters who you watched growing up? Or? Well, you know, uh, I always tell the story that at Skatopia, we had a half pipe and we had a big snake and we had a small snake and a bunch of different things. And we all, the locals, we loved this little tiny bowl in the, it was called the little snake bowl. And it was a nothing bowl. There was no coping on it, but we would sit there and, and do little tricks that we couldn't do on vert in that little bowl. We'd have, we play games where we try to challenge each other. Can you do this series of tricks? And, and, uh, there were two guys that used to skate that with us at, on occasion, and that was a guy named John Lucero. And, oh, yeah. And Lester Kasai, you know? Yeah. And, um, and we were such bullies to them because oh. we were the locals, you know, and they were these little kids. 
and we were just jerks. I mean, you know, uh, just the way kids are kind of mean to each other and kind of ride a passagey thing. Yeah. Then a lot of us stopped skating, you know, and those guys ended up becoming, you know, megastars. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. you know, but, you know, Mullins, I used to work at Lakewood Skate Park. After they closed Skatopia, um, I got a job at Lakewood Skate Park. And um, for some reason, Mullins was out there probably practicing for something. And I just remember it being nighttime and we had a freestyle area and he was out there practicing. And I, I walked out there and I watched him practice and I just had never seen anything like that in my life. It was like uh, some level that I just didn't know existed. I think that's what everyone back in the day used to say about him. They used to say the freestylers. Um, you know, no one really paid attention, but then, no. when, then when Rodney Mullen came to do something, everyone stopped what they were doing and they would run over him and, and watch him. He had such a style that that just nobody else had. No, it was, and he was I, a, I, a matter of fact, I bought a freestyle board. It was a Russ Howell from an old friend named Brian Martin when I, after seeing Mullen and I couldn't do crap on it. You know, I still can't. I'm just, it's, it's very, it's, yeah. He makes it look like it's so easy. Yeah. No, it's like playing the violin. Like you're talking about. I mean, it's, it's, it's like a, it's a craft. And it took it took probably just countless hours, years, to do what he does. I think he was OCD as a kid, and he just would go out for hours and just practice until he got uh, he did what he wanted, then moved on to the next thing, and then incorporated right. everything. And it was like a big, you know, he had he cornered the market on that for a very long time. Oh, I mean, I, I'll meet people that are young. I mean, in the twenties who skate, you know, and they still marvel at some of the clips of him and things that he innovated. Yeah, so he's one of those people that really stood out for me was Mullen. And I didn't, I don't know if I even talked to him, but I was sitting right there a few feet away from just watching him practice. And I'd never seen anything like that. Yeah. But Lucero, that's really cool and Lester Kasai. They're two, two of my favorites too. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's it's 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 great hearing from different people on the West Coast. You know, you hear the, like some names, and I'm like, oh my god, I love them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. One time, uh, Peralta came down. By the time I worked at Skatopia, it was not the it was not the gnarliest park anymore. You know, there was Pipeline, and there was uh, eventually Whittier and Lakewood. They just you know, you had to go to the gnarlier terrain if you're a competitive skater or a progressive skater. But I wouldn't, I, you know, I asked you the question before about New York and California. And like, I wouldn't trade my skateboard experience, me being a nobody who worked at Skatopia with like a guy like Brad Bowman. I wouldn't trade my experience with Brad Bowman for a million dollars because, you know, the things that I saw there, just daily life, it was just pure joy to be at a skate park and be with my friends and, um, you know, I got lucky. I mean, the, the thing that I got was, you know, just right for me. I, I, I feel the same. I mean, I was kind of a loner. So when I, when I found the skaters, that was, you know, high school, there was one kid Ronan who skated and he accepted me and 
he was good, I wasn't, but we hung out and, you know, I was happy. I didn't need any other friends. Yep. You know, we had the same energy and it just kept going from there, you know. Right. Um, you know, so you, when, once you find something and I think skateboarding is so, for the most part, you know, there, there's always in clicks. I, I hate to say clicks, but I, I'm saying it in a sense that, you know, in different situations, there's, you're not going to have perfectly friendly people all the time. Yes. But I feel like skateboarding is one of the most accepting, you, you know, there's no coach, there's no, you know, the, the, the only person that you're trying to please is yourself. Um, and I think a lot of people, when they start out, they feel like they're trying to please others, but they, then you just soon realize that everyone is there to cheer you on instead of, you know, you know, help you out, help you get to that level you want to get to. Yeah. That you do it for yourself instead of for anybody else. And right. keep progressing and moving on. And that's why skateboarding is so great to me too, because... You know, even for the one person in the park that doesn't skate anymore, you know, they made me part of their family. Well, they can tell you're a skater. I mean, it sounds prejudiced, but I, 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 I like skateboarding pictures from somebody who skates or skated. Um, I don't know why. Maybe I'm wrong about that, but, but I feel that way. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm hurting somebody's feelings by saying that. I'm, I'm sorry about that, but. Uh, skateboarding it's it's the opposite of what you think right when you learn to skateboard oh my god my head which i felt like i was going to pass out i was so nervous drop in on a thing or doing a trick in front of all these people that are so much better than me but the truth is it's the opposite you know yeah. they they want you to get better they will help you and the and the other crazy thing is you could be at a skate park with a soy or or mcgill or whoever and you could just suck you know and they'd be like, you know, put your right foot a little more forward. Mm -hmm. I mean, what other sport can you do that where like literally these legendary skaters or or a contemporary, you know, care about your game? Yeah, any other sport. I'm not giving away my secrets. I'm not helping you out. It's all me, 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 me. But yeah. skateboarding. And I'm not saying all everyone in sports is like that. Not everybody oh. is. But I feel a lot of times that, you know, it's a sort of fend for yourself. And even, in, you know, skateboarding, it's fend for yourself. But literally, it's for yourself. It's not for anybody else. Did that just make sense? Yes. No, I know what you're saying. <laughs> I just thought about that. I don't know if that actually made sense. No, I know. I follow. I was following you. Yeah. Um, and as far as the photographs go, I think it's just from somebody who has skated she just sees it in a different perspective right um they probably see it closer uh and in a more similar way as you do than you know somebody else right. um you know people who haven't skateboarded but they like watching it you know trying and get the tricks and they you know and then they'll get the trick and they'll walk away and be like oh i'm done i got my picture but um, you know, I think that's just people who come into the park. See, because like I said, our park—you don't have to pay to get in. Yeah. So people who are walking 
so where the where where the park is, there are a lot of um, it's on the Hudson River. Okay. So there are a lot of um, it's basically a big sports complex. There's an ice rink. There's an ice rink further down, and um, but right next to where the skate park is, there are cruises. So there's all in the summer. Usually, there's always lines of people, and sometimes you know when they're waiting for the to get on these boats, they'll come into the skate park and watch and take some pictures, and then they get what they want, and then they leave and get back online. Right. That's kind of more what I mean as in in comparison to, you know, us who, who purposely, like we choose to, to photograph skateboard. It will be there before we take a picture and it will be sitting there after we take a picture. I don't even want, I don't even want to, I, I hate because I don't want to insult anyone. I feel yeah, like yeah, anyone yeah. who wants to take photographs is, is, and be creative is, is okay in my book because I love it so much. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that they shouldn't do it. I, as a matter of fact, they might do a better shot than me because they have a different perspective. But I, I'm just saying that I, you know, like I'll talk to photographers and a lot of times the ones that skate, you know, like I, I, I can relate to them because of, you know, and there could be somebody who skates and owns a camera, but should have, maybe they have no business owning a camera. I don't know. There's that too. So I'm not saying it's all one way. Yeah. You know. Um, no hard feelings to anyone. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I feel that a lot of my photography, um, I, sh I used to shoot a lot of pictures of Lizzie and Julie Kinstrand and, and it wasn't my photography, you know, it was the skateboarding. It was the skaters, you know, the, I, I wonder about skateboard photographers. You know, I wonder if some of them who are famous, um, if they shot something other than skateboarding, would they be as famous? You know what? I didn't even really think about that because I just focus on the skateboard, <laughs> and I know certain names. Yes, and and it was funny from the from the uh, there are people because of Chris who I who I follow on Instagram, like Lauren Brooke. Okay. And, yeah. And uh, Chris, uh, Chris clicks digital. I never knew what they looked like until I was in your Zoom chat. <laughs> oh, cool. That's like the first time I ever saw them, you know, their faces. Right. So it was kind of interesting. And I like really wanted to sort of talk to them, but I couldn't do it because there were like 30 people in the room. <laughs> oh, well, we'll have to arrange a, uh, a skateboard photographer Zoom chat. You know, but it would be, you know, I, I and I haven't really reached out, to be honest, because I know that they're sort of busy. And I see my friend Sean and they're doing like these little like backyard things. And, you know, Lauren's at the shoots and Chris is doing stuff. And one of my friends from the East Coast, um, a, another friend named Sean, he's living on the West Coast now. And he's a great skater. And Chris takes a lot of pictures of him. Oh, What's so, last name? Uh, Plundeek. Plundeek. I, I, okay, I don't think I've met. I don't think I've met him yet. Yeah. That's cool. But um, well, they're not too busy to do a Zoom. I mean, who who's in skateboarding photography so busy they can't, you know? No, no. But I'm just saying, like here, it's just like kind of non-existent right now. Mm. Except if you go to, you know, the the DIY spots or. Uh, which don't really last that long anyway, because you get kicked out of the, the places. 
yeah. you know, eventually you get kicked out of the places where you are. Um, but, you know, like the backyard sessions and stuff like that, there's a lot more going on in California. That's there's true. probably a lot going on here too with that, that I don't really know about because I was, I'm just the local at my park. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, um, I don't find out a, a lot about things until afterwards. <laughs> I, I sometimes get invited to certain, you know, DIY spots or backyard things. And the first question I always ask is, you know, is there a fence? And could I make it over that fence? You know, that's, that's, I, that's, that's and uh, could I have my foot's bad? You know, and most of the time I'm just like, nah, I'm cool. You know, thanks for inviting me, but I don't want to hop the fence. So. Yeah, that's that's what I'm like. My friend, my friend was like, uh, "Yeah, there's a spot by LaGuardia Airport, uh, airport, but there's a fence. Can you think?" And I didn't say anything because I didn't think you'd be able to get over the fence. <laughs> I'm like, "Thanks a lot," <laughs> but at least he thought about it, you know. I <laughs> know, oh, I know, I know. Uh, you know, one time I, uh, years ago, I was shooting um, Amajay, and uh, she's this wonderful woman skater, and we went to Compton Skate Park. And Compton Skate Park is a park that Tony Hawk built. And it's surrounded by this big, you know, uh, wrought iron fence, super tall. And so they had somehow bent the bars to where it just kind of bulged a little bit, you know. And so they all got in there and they're all skating, you know, and then Amajay's in there skating. Oh, hi, Ken. So I met her there, you know. And so I show up and I have my camera bag and I shove my camera bag through the bars you know and I shove my lights and stands and all these little kids and they're grabbing my stuff and setting it aside for me and then I tried to get you know into the thing and I just you know right around my stomach you know I was I, was, I can't do this and I so I had to back up and all the, the kids handed me all my shit you know and then Amajay and I went somewhere else that day I can't remember so yeah. not a good hop, fence hopper or fence fitter inner <laughs> I know. Oh. I I always tell myself I'm gonna buy myself one of those uh, those uh, emergency fire ladders that roll. Oh, that's a great. I thought about that too. A rope ladder. Yeah, and then just uh, hook it to the top of the fence and climb over. I could use that if I'm skating a bowl that is too deep to get out of. Too like there's some bowls out here. Culver City, we've got one that I could definitely use a rope ladder to get out of. And I, I don't even ride it anymore because I'm afraid I literally won't be able to get out. That's my issue too. I would love to photograph more in the bowl, but getting out of the bowl, getting in is fine. Getting out is a chore. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. a little, it's a little unnerving. Like at, at Chelsea, there are some parts where you know you can go around, and they have vert. Yeah. Um, so we have the clamshell and all of that. I could do from underneath. You know, I could, I could photograph from underneath. But getting in the bowl. Right. Easy to slide down in your butt. Not so easy to do the pull-up out of there. And no one wants to help me get out of there either. I'm, I, they'd all, I'd end up all pulling them back in with me. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. To be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm being very honest with myself. But <laughs> be a whole, that would be a whole different comedy show, right? There. Right? That'd be another reality thing right there. Oh. <laughs> That's my paradox with all that stuff, so... Yeah, so I just basically have been waiting for, and, and, and for health reasons, I've been waiting for things to open up, you know, and I don't know when that's going to be out here, uh, but I'd like it to be a safe situation for myself and people I might come in contact with. 
um, which I know is not very popular, but that's just my choice. Yeah. Um, I mean, like me, I, w I could go into the park and wear a mask all day. It wouldn't bother, really bother me, but I know the skaters aren't going to because it's too, like we said, it's too hot. It's too hot. Yeah. I was talking to uh, Chris, you know, clicks and we were thinking about different things about maybe longer lenses and because, uh, you know, when you shoot with a fish, which I mostly shoot with, you're standing less than a foot away from them most of the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not saying something would happen, but just to, again, just to be super cautious, you know. So I don't know. I've been thinking about all those different things. I've been actually shooting. Uh, I started a series of portraits. I'm doing some portraits with friends, but they're more of a far away portrait than a close one. And um, I just haven't been really motivated to shoot much since the whole thing, because I think it just kind of depresses me, the whole shelter in thing and yeah i'm hearing a lot of artists are having a hard time getting motivated to make art right now yeah it took me a while to motivate myself to to look through all the pictures for this 62 project but the itch to actually get out there is getting bigger and bigger mm -hmm. um just i i've been to i live close to central park mm -hmm. so um i can walk there and to, to get to my spot in about 10, 15 minutes at the mm -hmm. most. Mm -hmm. So I've been taking a lot of nature pictures, a lot of uh, ducks, swans, baby swans, turtles, whatever's out there, what I, whatever I find interesting. Um, but it's just really sort of to keep my interest going, not, not my interest, my motivation. Mm -hmm. um, because I, I feel like when I'm working and I'm tired at the end of the day, I, at least I know I was working all day, but I'm not doing anything during the day and I have to really motivate myself. And I've know? read that that's a really important thing to do in yeah. this situation to feel good is to, if you, anything you can do that was like before, you want to try to do that on any level and then if you can't do that, you have to make new schedule because apparently schedule is the whole thing that makes us feel safe and secure and calm, satisfied, you know? And so, yeah, uh, a good, you know, it's not a good idea to sleep till four in the afternoon and then, you know, wake up for six hours and go and it's dark and go to bed again, you know, cause you feel like you're not getting anywhere. I guess that kind of screws up your, your, um, your mood. Yeah, so. the, the uh, we we had for a week we had an eight eight p.m. curfew because um, of all the looting that was going on, yeah. and that was even more depressing. Right, because we had to stay in our apartments, but yet the protesters were still allowed to be out till like eleven twelve o'clock. Hmm. And I, I think people were arrested, but how do you stop? you know, 200 protesters, 300 right. protesters. Right. Um, you know, so my neighbor and I were going up on our roof and whatever we talked about, we would take pictures up on the roof and, and you know, do swap tips and swap pictures and, you know, just to keep something going. Yeah. And we, we decided we're going to, we might actually do a, Put together just for fun a little online slideshow of uh, COVID pictures, 
during the COVID era. Yeah. The COVID period. I'd love you know, to pictures see that. Yeah. Motivated. <laughs> oh, I'd love to see that. I, mean, yeah. it's, it's, I think a lot of my stuff is this, probably the same, but different. Um, you know, I, I, a lot of people sometimes call me the creeper because like I'll take pictures of people without them knowing it. Um, which, you know, I, I won't, it won't be in, in an awkward situation. Like yeah. someone passed out on the floor or something like that. Right. You know? Um, you know, like waiting in line to get groceries now, you know, I'll take pictures of people in masks or how people are now as compared to three months ago. Showing that it's different. It's different, yeah. More of just for, I guess, you know, uh, like a timeline. Yes. What is it about candid photos that interests you? Um, Candid photos... Um, someone could look a certain way, someone could be dressed a certain way, have an expression, and you know you'll just, if you don't get it at that time, then you'll never get it again. You'll probably never see that person again. Um, I don't, I don't know. I don't feel that, you know, maybe I, it, it is an invasion on somebody's privacy. However, when you're on a pu- when you're on public transportation, you know, or there's no expectation of privacy. Walking around, I mean, I yeah. think New York is a perfect place for that. I've always been a people watcher. Um, sometimes on my lunch break, I would just at Tower. I would sit in front of Tower and watch the world go by, watch people go by, and it's better than television. Yeah, it's some some stuff you can't make up. <laughs> you know, you can't write a script to it. But and I don't uh, think it. I don't think it um, pulls people down, candid photography. I think it actually elevates people. It's a celebration of that humans are interesting. Humans are interesting, and boy, do we have some interesting ones here. <laughs> I'm sure you do too. <laughs> right. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 But I just love people, um, you know, in any any given situation. Um, I just love capturing things. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up this podcast, but I want to show you some pictures that I'm working on, but I can't show them to the public. Okay. So I'm gonna turn off the live and the recording. Okay. And then I'm gonna show them to you. Um, so, is there any? place that uh, you want people to if they need to get a hold of you should they i mean if you don't want them to then you don't need to say but uh, um, website or email address or instagram account or any you know if you want uh, i'm mostly on instagram and it's uh lolo nyc l-o-l-o nyc okay and um i'm on facebook as well but i'm not really like on Facebook. Uh, I don't have those accounts linked to each other. Um, and just because of, of photos, um, I mostly do Instagram. So, so anyone, Lolo NYC. Yeah. And anybody could send me a, me- a direct message. Okay. On well, thank you for talking. Well, thank don't, you. Don't hang up. I'm going to show you photos. Let me just turn off all okay. this stuff. No problem. No problem. Okay.